Thanks for joining us on this New Year's Eve morning, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I'm PK, coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. You know, last time I was here, oh my gosh, ended in bitter disappointment 21 years ago. I was working for the watchdog at that point 21 years ago, and I was here for the Final Four where the Utes got it done against North Carolina and then had that lead against Kentucky and let it slip away. Bitter memories. Now, certainly, if they lose this game tonight, that won't be near the disappointment that that game was. I wouldn't think so anyway. I think maybe you can argue the Oregon loss was as or more or equal to or maybe close to the level of disappointment that they had in the national title game in basketball. But this game, it's not, uh, it's not just a bonus game. So you don't want to go 0-4 in December the last two years. Because does that build? Does that build on they can't win the big one if they lose this game? I think they're going to win anyway, so I think it's irrelevant. But I can't guarantee you because I picked them against Oregon. I had a guy uh, tweet at me. He said, do you still think Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in the state? Which I actually said Jordan Love, I thought, going in the season. You don't know anything. And he was a Ute fan because I didn't say Tyler Huntley. And I thought about tweeting him back saying, yeah, you're right. I picked Oregon to lose to Utah and I picked Utah to win. So you're right. I don't know anything. Uh, All predictions are exactly that. They're predictions. So I'm predicting the Utes to win. But I think it's important that they win. I think they need to win to get that bad taste out of their mouths. That uh, I think there's some segment of Ute fans who still think, oh, here we go again. We're the Utes. They tantalize. They tease. They suck us in only to find disappointment at the end. And maybe there's some truth to that, but... It's been a heck of a ride along the way. Where the program is, is in a great spot. So what do you think? New Year's. You're going to ring in. You're going to be disappointed. BYU fans, if there's any of you listening, are you still disappointed? If I'm I'm listing my level of disappointment, assume for a second that the Utes lose. If I'm listing my level of disappointment, I go BYU 1, Utah 2, Utah State three. That BYU loss, in my mind, was absolutely inexcusable. There is no way they should have lost that game. No way. Well, they had it one PK. You get pick up two yards, and yeah, you're talking about a different yeah. season, and you right. failed to do that. Right. So I classify BYU season as disappointing. I agree. If I'm – go ahead. Yeah, seven and six for the second straight year when you were potentially looking at nine wins. Yeah, there's no there's no saying that, well, there's a positive. It's a disappointment. Yes, and I would love to be able to say that it wasn't a disappointment. But and if I'm going to be true to myself and what I think and say what I believe and all that stuff that I've built this uh, radio career on, then I've got to be honest 
and I can't blow it off and act like, Oh yeah, well, yeah, it was good. They had good moments, they had good moments. Sure. But because they had those good moments, it was the very reason why I think that they should have had more moments that were good. They should have had better moments. They should have won that bowl game, that bowl game. Now that are there going to be staff changes to BYU? My guess would be yes. My guess is that there's at least two changes to the staff. Uh, because that was not acceptable. And I don't want to hear any excuses whatsoever. I can't come up with one excuse as to why BYU season was anything but a disappointment. I'd love to be able to say that it wasn't. Those were great wins against Arizona and Tennessee, or uh, Arizona, not this year, USC and Tennessee. That would have been awesome if they would have built upon that. And Boise was an incredible win, but – particularly with a third-team quarterback, but I can't do it. I just can't do it. Utah State, I mean, they went 11-2, and two, had a lot of changes. Uh, I would still consider their season a disappointment, too, because they got smoked by a number of teams, and they weren't competitive in a number of games. Utah wins their, their bowl game here later on today, and then I think I give them an A- for their season. They got graded out as an A minus. You won the division. Winning the division isn't as big of a deal since you've done it multiple times. But in order to achieve goals, you have to. I check it off as a necessary, not necessarily a great accomplishment, but something that has to have happen in order for you to achieve your goals. I don't know that uh, you hang, hang banners, but you know it's important to do. Obviously. Uh, they still got that other thing there of winning the conference. They haven't done that. They're 0 for 9, which isn't bad. I think 0 for 9 sounds bad, but I don't think it's bad when you look at some of these teams that have been in this conference for many, many years, four decades, and they still haven't won. And then a couple others who've only won once or twice. So a lot of work to be done by a lot of different teams, and you've been in the hunt. If you win this game, I think A-. minus. If you lose this game, do I drop it down to a B? Yak, do you drop it down to a B? I would put it as a B plus if I'm kind of grading out they lose tonight. I'm with you, A minus if they win. You don't throw away a double-digit win season and say it's a disappointment, especially at the Power 5 level. They've done too many things that they haven't done in their history this year that to say that it's anything that you would say was a quote-unquote disappointment. I, you know, I have to agree with that. And... You're winning 11 ball games. Exactly. 11 out of 14. There's just, there's just not that many teams that are doing that. You're ranked in the top 10 almost all of the year, certainly the bulk of the season when the rankings start to matter. You know, the first couple of weeks, you're just throwing stuff up against the wall, basically, as far as rankings goes, because you don't have any body of evidence to draw from or you don't have enough. And what you do have is, you know, wins over Idaho State or those types of teams that that everybody plays or most teams play. So you can't really, you can't really judge them while they weren't in the top 10 to start the season. Yeah. Cause nobody is, I mean, what, what really is the top 10 that has any bearing on anything early in the season, but then when they got going, you know, they, they, they rocked man. And they just beat teams up left and right. And I just, I can't get away from that. And maybe it's because my team has been in the conference for so long and they haven't done that whatsoever. I mean, come close to doing that consistently. 
and they've been in this league for 40 years. And to see this domination that I saw week after week, we would joke, Yak and I, that I was always write something up for 1280thezone.com, and I'd send it to him in the middle of the third quarter and just say, just plug in the final score because we already know what the final – we already know the outcome. We just don't know if somebody's going to score a late touchdown or not. We were sitting back waiting (laughs) to see how many points they're going to tack on to the end to make the – what the winning margin was going to be. Yeah. I mean, they had no drama. I mean, they, they, they really only had two dramatic games in the regular season, SC and then to an extent Washington. Because they got down. I think they were down 14 to 3. But then they came back and Jalen Johnson makes the play of the year. In my mind, was that pick against uh, Easton where he had the pick six, took it down the right sideline, and that was it. I know Washington scored a late touchdown, but it seemed like Utah was just kind of playing against the clock at that point and were okay if Washington scored, which they did. But they won that game. It wasn't right down. It wasn't no, it wasn't a nail biter by any stretch. And then really Oregon wasn't a dramatic game either because they got smoked and they weren't in the game. And so by the middle, I actually made my reservations. I've said this. I made my reservations to San Antonio in the middle of the third quarter because I was told before the game that if they lost that, then most likely we're going to go to the Alamo Bowl because obviously Oregon would have slid into the rows there and they weren't going to the playoff. And that's the way it was going to be. And they probably weren't going to get a New Year's Day six. Uh, so with that in mind, I made my reservations in the middle of the third quarter to fly down, get the cheap flight or cheaper flight. And I did that. So that game didn't have any drama. So and I, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to still give them an A minus either way, either way, as a noted great philosopher once said, irregardless of what happens in this game. But I would like to see them win, beat a 7-5 and five team. And te- Texas might be a little bit more, their record at 7-5 and five might be a little deceiving with the losses. I mean, they only lost by 7 to LSU. That was the second week of the season, uh, 45-38. And we saw what LSU did against Oklahoma, and they uh, Texas always uh, obviously always plays Oklahoma. What I think they play them the second week of October, correct? Up there in Dallas, yeah. And that game was a one score game too. I think it was like thirty six thirty, if I remember. I no 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 no. That was uh, it was thirty four twenty seven. Thirty four twenty seven. Yeah, it was a seven point game. Uh, I think I was getting that confused with Oklahoma State, who do the uh, Longhorns beat. Yeah, and then they lose to Baylor and Iowa State. Those are those are ranked teams uh, late in November. Uh, as I said, the earlier the only loss that really jumps out at you as far as that goes was TCU losing 37-27. Because I don't think TCU finished with a winning record this year. They're not going bowling. No, they struggle with all yeah. kinds of injuries. The one, yeah. thing, the one thing Texas, and you heard Tom Herman talk about this in the lead-up to this game, they're as healthy as they've been in some time. They started, That's true. They started the year really healthy, and then they had all kinds of injuries. And we'll see what they look like tonight, because I'm with you. That 7-5 and five record, it's a little deceiving for how much talent I feel like Texas has going into this game. Yeah, so i got to admit, I'm a little bit more nervous. As I got down into town... And I've been here since Sunday in San Antonio and started getting and talking. I spent uh, a couple hours talking with Texas people yesterday because I rode over with them to the Alamo Dome and then rode back with them to the hotel. And all the guys from the, uh, the Austin paper 
they've obviously it's a big deal they're covering this thing like crazy i felt like the press conference was tom herman's press conference yesterday as opposed to the press conference for both games because there's so much texas media from in town and then austin is just about uh, what 75 miles away so you had all those guys and i had a lot of conversations with them and they were telling me how uh, Colin Johnson had a hamstring, the tight end. Kate Brewer had an ankle injury. They're expected back. And then the secondary is where they were really, really hit hard with injuries. And they've got guys back. I can give you their names if it matters, but nevertheless, you probably don't know who they are, that those guys, the secondary has had injuries. When you talk about being battered with injury, that's where it was in specific was the secondary. Yeah. And all these secondary guys are supposed to be back. And so what you just said, as far as them being as healthy as they've been since the preseason, that's exactly uh, Bowles is his name. He's an older guy. He's been a columnist for years at uh, the Austin paper. And he was saying that how they got their guys back and they should be ready to go or as healthy as they've been. And they can throw the ball a little bit. So they're expecting a competitive game. So, and those that, you know, they know way more about Texas than I do. And so when they were saying that, that made me think, eh, maybe it's a little bit more, a little bit closer, considering that I can argue this is as unhealthy as the Utes have been all season. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing. Is it's, it's a tale of two different seasons if you really look yeah. at it because Utah's secondary is beat up big time right now, similar to what Texas dealt with earlier in the year. Texas getting healthier. Utah, yeah, maybe is wounded as they've been all year long. Yeah, and the good thing for them is they've had excellent health most of the season, and so that has worked to their advantage. They really haven't had guys. I mean, Kyle, was they were, they were I don't want to say, well, maybe the nervous petrified would probably be too too big of a word but they were really nervous about the depth at linebacker and with Lloyd and Bernard those two have been able to stay healthy uh the whole season and so they haven't had to dip in and they were worried going into that when that Penn State kid whose name escapes me now once he quit Manny Bowen Bowen yeah once he quit they were really nervous about the depth but Lloyd and Bernard, fortunately for them and for the team, have been able to stay healthy the whole season, and they're both healthy, ready to go here in this bowl game. So they were worried about that. And obviously, uh, defensively in the backfield, they're losing three guys out of their rotation. But it seems like Utah always finds a way. Sewell, who didn't expect to play, not only is playing, he's starting at safety, so we'll see what happens there, and can Texas exploit that? I'm excited for the game. Another thing I'm excited for, and you should be excited too, is your Jazz. Your Jazz are rolling, man. They're kicking bootay. They are doing great. Tim Lacombe, our studio analyst, talking about the Jazz next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Last night, the Utah Jazz pulled away from the Detroit Pistons to win the game 104-81. Donovan Mitchell led the Jazz with 23 points. Jordan Clarkson had 20 points off the bench for Utah. They're back in action. On Thursday, they opened a three-game road trip in the Windy City against the Chicago Bulls at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Elsewhere in the NBA last night, the Milwaukee Bucks won their 30th game of the season as they blew out the Chicago Bulls 123-102. Giannis Antetokounmpo had 23 points and 10 rebounds in that win. The Phoenix Suns beat the Portland Trailblazers 122-116 as they rallied from 19 points down. Devin Booker led Phoenix in that victory with 33 points. As you heard, Utah will face Texas tonight in the Valero Alamo Bowl at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. That will be televised on ESPN. The Zone's pregame coverage begins at 4.30 right here on 97.5 FM and 12.80 a.m. on the Zone Sports Network. In college football last night, number 9 Florida beat number 24 Virginia 36-28 in the Orange Bowl. This Top of the Wire update brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The great uh, Thurl Bailey, kind enough to join us. So you get LeBron out in the West, and obviously you've got some great guards. Your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell's chances of getting nominated as an All-Star? Well, I think he's playing like an All-Star. There's no question. As you well know, that's a popularity contest to begin with. So, you know, we may see Donovan every single night, but there's folks out there voting who already, even before the you know, last year, had their, their picks already in, regardless of whether the guy's hurt or not. So there's no question that he's playing like an all-star and he deserves to be there. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It is 8.30. Thanks for joining us on this New Year's Eve morning. You got big plans for New Year's? I'm PK DJ. He's not off today. He's just flying down to San Antonio where I am. And I'm going to have to sneeze. So you're going to have to hold on a second here. I don't have an opportunity to cut the mic as if I were back in the studio. So hold on. All right. You got that? I got that out of the way. Thanks for joining us. Obviously, we're talking jazz. As they win last night, they win easily. It was a little bit of a struggle early on, but eh, that zone had it uh, to where they need to figure it out, and then they got it going on. And joining us now right now is Tim McComb. He's coming to us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. All right, our jazz studio analyst, and he does the work for us on 97.5 1280 Zone and the pre-half and post. is Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant coach. Tim, how the heck are you? I'm not as good as you, man, but I'm good. You know, <laughs> you're down in uh, Riverwalk territory, right? I am. Yes, I am coming to you from San Antonio, Texas, where the sun is <laughs> shining and it is a beautiful, beautiful day. Yesterday was a beautiful day, too. The Riverwalk, it's a lot of fun to be down here. Haven't been down here since uh, 1998. 1998, does that mean anything to you? Yeah, I think vaguely remember something happening down there <laughs> in 98. Um, yeah, I was down there as well. It's it's really a great place for a sports event for sure. The Final Four that year was like it was surreal, first of all, because you know, my team was in it at the time and then being able to walk around and see it, it was just the festivities were, were great 
So it, it is an awesome city, man. Yeah, I think that Final Four, and I've been doing this for a good long while, that was as much fun as I've ever had in all the things covering bowl games and NBA finals and that one Final Four. I have to say, that time we spent a week here in San Antonio with the Riverwalk and having the Stanford and the Utah fans were so excited to be here. Maybe Kentucky and North Carolina was more of a formality, but for the other two fan bases and the weather was great the whole week, it was absolutely awesome. you have any any specific memories that you might want to share and any any yeah, per- so particular voices? I think the, yeah, I think that the... <laughs> Not about voices. I have to work my way into that, but I remember the night. So Utah beat North Carolina first game, and uh, I just remember going back to the Riverwalk, and you know, you, like you said, everybody's walking around with their gear on, and it was almost like if you saw North Carolina or Kentucky guys come, and you had to get off the a walkway because they kind of owned it. They've been there so many times, you know. Uh, but that night after winning and just proudly wearing your stuff around and, you know, kind of looking those North Carolina fans in the eye and they were whimpering a little bit. That was, that was kind of a fun night. Um, my wife and I were living in Austin at the time, so we went down and uh, took our our little daughter, who's now 24. So it was, it was really cool. It was a great, great opportunity. It was actually my first Final Four. So since you lived in Austin, uh, can you speak to how big of a deal University of Texas football is? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, we lived in Austin for three years. It's a, uh, you know, much like uh, football, a lot of teams in the the South. I mean, football is a religion, and it almost kind of takes on a life of its own in terms of in the offseason, everybody's hyping up the – new recruits they have and but it is a it's a big deal and obviously last few years they've kind of fallen on you know they're not playing up to what everybody thinks texas should do but they're also one of those places that every year they would love to be able to contend for a national championship with the budget and the following and everything they have tim lacomb joining us uh, as far as that goes, we didn't bring him on to talk University of Texas and Utah football because he's a basketball expert, but he lived in Austin and he can speak to that. And I uh, was on the Utah staff and can speak to that when in the Final Four. Uh, but it can also speak to the Jazz. The Jazz, eight out of nine. Clarkson's coming in, giving them offense. Uh, boy, right now, not necessarily the whole season, the record's pretty good, but right now, this stretch, maybe as good as it gets. Well, we saw this coming. Um, you know, we talked about it a bunch um, on the pregame and postgame shows leading up to this stretch. But you know, they're in the midst of you know being able to play teams that aren't as good. And they and they had. I mean, start of the season there was, there was some you know teams they could were definitely going to beat. Um, and then there were a lot of challenges, and, and I think those became bigger challenges with the health slash depth issues that the Jazz were experiencing. Um, but really credit to the front office, um, you know, Dennis and Justin with their being really aggressive. I mean, making moves on the fly is really difficult. I, li- I liken it almost to getting your car repaired on the freeway at 70 miles an hour. I mean, there's so much going on 
but for them to kind of have the vision and be composed and when when they picked uh when the trade happened when Clarkson was acquired I spent the better part of a day just kind of digging into him and his stats and then his game watching him play it told Jake that night I'm like I'm really bullish on this kid I think that this might be exactly what they need, you know, to kind of anchor that second group because that's what they were missing. It was just kind of floundering second group. And and by the looks of it, you know, three games in, and to his credit, one of the games he got here that morning before he played. So he's still learning everything really quickly. But I think that his uh, presence, I mean, it's just – really kind of anchored that second unit and given the Jazz a real pop off the bench. Tim McComb joining us does the radio work with Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. So you do not believe that this is just a little bit of, uh, uh, how would you say, maybe uh, beginner's luck or uh, just a hot streak. You believe Clarkson is legitimate and can do this most games. Yeah, just because he has. And, and you know, I think it's one thing, and we, we saw this when, Conley was acquired and, you know, everybody kind of wondered what the lineup would be in, in the Jazz role, um, you know, lineup out there with Joe coming off the bench. I think that was their hope was, hey, this is a really good player um, who has some experience coming off the bench, you know, in his career. And we're going to try this. And I think everybody saw it. Just we saw a different Joe. And, and then – you know, the way things fall, we saw a different Jazz team. I mean, Jack, Joe is a humongous part of the makeup of this team. The, he carries a ton of the swagger for this team. And I think he was out, he was out of our time, just kind of getting lost, trying to figure out. I mean, he was all for it. You know, he's a good guy, but I think it was just it did not resonate with him. In Clarkson, you have a guy who um, – you know, has kind of made his way in this league as being a guy who leads that second unit. And it's so important to have um, some kind of cohesiveness, but more than more than that, just bringing some instant offense off the bench, some instant swagger, you know, be able to settle things down. And uh, and that's what Clarkson is doing right now. And I think, yeah, I'm I'm in the camp that I think this is – a move that will really benefit the Jazz, particularly when Conley gets back, it even lengthens the bench more because my assumptions would be that Royce would be the one then probably joining Clarkson and then those two guys coming off the bench just makes a huge difference. Okay, so you are aligning with Liam that I believe that whenever Conley returns here in the next few days or weeks, whatever it might be, that Joe has got to stay in the starting lineup because he's been playing sensational to the point where Dwayne Casey, the Pistons coach, says that he's an all-star. He's not – he called him a bartender. He looks like the bartender, but he's really – he's super good and that he's got it. I believe Joe has got to stay in the starting lineup. No, I do too. Um, and, and I think it's not for any other reason just that, you know, you want – and this team needs the best Joe Angles they can get. And I just feel like – and you watched it too, PK. I just feel like early in the season, I mean, he's trying to come off the bench and fit. But it's not Joe. He's passing up shots. You know, it's uh, it just took him too much time to get in the rhythm of the game as he checked in as opposed to being out there from the start. 
And I've seen that happen before. You know, I obviously it's something they talked to him about going in and he was okay with. Um, but I think the results are he's just that important to this team from the beginning. It was the Clippers. It was a Clippers game. He came out and pounded a couple early. He's just... He just is one of those other guys when your focus is on Donovan and your focus is on Rudy that can just get away from you and, and sting you real quick in the beginning of a game and get your team some momentum. Okay, so they have been playing well, obviously, winning a bunch of games, and they got a bunch of games coming up in the next two weeks that aren't against great teams. I think only one of them, Brooklyn, is either 500 or better. And this road trip with the Bulls and Washington, and these are teams that you should be able to beat. Uh, and so you, you basically come around here every two years and give me that. Was <laughs> <laughs> that well timed? Yes, one of the best. I was gonna, I was gonna get to that with old Jim Boylan there in Chicago. I'll come here once every two years and ask those questions. I don't want to hear that from you. What do you think, Gordon, to Chicago for this game? I see the show up. <laughs> That's some class. Every five years. <laughs> Ball didn't go in the hole. Okay, <laughs> yeah. That was a legendary moment, absolutely, yeah. And uh, you knew that at that point, Jim Boylan's coaching career at Utah was taken on water. You start getting into a certain type of contest with the media, that's never going to end well. It just uh, distracts from what well, you're trying to do. Especially like the, you know, Fat Tony of the of the mob, just the guy who's actually got some teeth and will take a bite. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. So you look at the Jazz; they're still in sixth place, though. I mean, they're they're just a couple games out from moving up. But how do you handicap the West? Because those top six look really good. Yeah, and we talked about this the other night on the show, and I I think what's made this there's a real variable in there that you just don't know. Um, you know, it used to be just injuries, but now you got to take into account load management, who's going to play when and, and who's not going to play. But what I can say is I think everything that looked to be um, what the West was going to be about in the, in the off season with all the acquisitions and moves and everything and all the excitement, I think it just took some time to get everybody going and firing, but I think you can kind of see now that this is going to be, it might be one of the races for the ages for, you know, the first few spots. And um, again, how many nights will guys take off? How will injuries affect it? I do believe the Jazz are playing, you know, kind of right now on house money because they do have, uh, you know, if they're for a couple of weeks, they, they were trying to figure out how to just function. And I think now they've they've more than that they've more than done that in terms of their um, ability to go out and get a couple guys can help and who really want to play hard. Um, and now, you know, they're still got a guy, Mike Conley, who I I still believe is going to be terrific for this team. Um, I know there's been a ton of questions about whether. He's, you know, with his injury, how much that affected him. But I, I just feel like they've got too good a player in him, and he's, his data points over the career, over the history of his career, would speak to the fact that they do have a, a really good player. So you plug him in, uh, and then you're you're getting all these meaningful minutes right now out of 
Royce, particularly in Clarkston. Um, I think Georgie Yang's made a huge jump, and I really believe that from where Tony Bradley started beginning of the season, I think he's made some moves. I think last few games have gone to him instead of Ed Davis. So I think it's a part of being able to develop your team and your roster. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see one more guy pop, whether it be um, to me the guy, one of the guys from the G League, Tucker, who they just brought in. Mione or Juwan Morgan, um, possibly, uh, you know, one of those guys may be getting some rotational minutes and just continue to shore up the bench. Yeah, as far as Conley goes, that I'm I'm a little nervous because the team has been playing well, that he comes in and maybe that causes him to be tentative, whereas if the team wasn't playing well, then he comes in going, hey, these guys need me. But now that they're playing well, does that maybe add to well, where do I fit in because I don't want to rock the boat type thing? Yeah, but I, I, the one thing I really do believe is, is going to be a positive coming out of this, and I hear you 100%. I think that that is certainly a possibility. But the way I, I am looking at this is that he has the opportunity now to sit back and watch them play. And he's watching – everything that those guys do really well. And as a point guard, I mean, he had X amount of time in the off season to play with him, but it wasn't a ton of time in comparison. Literally, he's getting a front row seat every night to, oh, wow, Boyan's really good at doing that, and i got to find him in those corners. Um, you know, Donovan's just his ability that he's shown to just make every right play. I mean, it's almost amazing what he's doing right now. Um, you know, Rudy's getting way more comfortable. Loved last night, late in the game, when he came down and just buried Drummond early in the offense, sealed him hard, got a score right at the front of the rim. Um, but I think he's being able to watch all this stuff. And perhaps, I think it's one of two things. Right? Take some of the pressure off of feeling like, man, i got to be one of the big three. Um, because I think that in his mind, that was his mindset coming in. And I think Guys have stepped up and realized, hey, this team's got a lot of weapons. Um, and then number two, I, I can maybe take a big, deep breath here, and I don't need to go out and do too much. There's a lot of guys out here that can do a ton. And In my mind, if you watch Mike, maybe he was trying to do just a little too much. Um, and some of those getting into the paint floaters maybe become getting into the paint kickouts to start the blender. Um, so that's where I, I choose to look at it because I think Mike Conley is a terrific human being. And I think, you know, just by virtue of everything that's written about him, I think he has the maturity to be able to say, look, you guys are doing great. Here's where I can help them and jump in and help. Tim, thanks for joining me this morning. You bet, man. It was great to be with you. Um, enjoy San Antonio and, and the ball game tonight. Will do. Talk to you in the new year. Okay. Thanks, PK. All right, that's Tim McComb. You can hear him with Jay Scott on our pre-half and post-game radio analyzing the Jazz on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you think, man? The Jazz, are they on to something? Is this going to continue winning at a high, high rate? We'll get to that coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Chris Cameroni from The Athletic as we 
switch back to Utah football in the big bowl game coming up. I'm coming to you live from San Antonio. DJ is on his way. We'll have all the coverage for you. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Thanks for joining us on this New Year's Eve morning. What is it, Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? No, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday morning. Yeah, you travel, you get out of whack. And I've been traveling a little bit here. The bowl game is tonight with the Utes and uh, Texas. I'm in San Antonio as we speak. DJ's on his way, covering it for Channel 2 and us. The Jazz with a very nice win. How many of you are buying that Jordan Clarkson is going to be a significant difference maker for the Jazz? A significant difference maker. They had 20 against Detroit. Uh, played well against the Clippers. What th- He's played three games, right? Is yes. that what we got? Yep. Is that- Who was the other game against? I can't even remember now. It was the Clippers. Then, now I'm spacing on it too. The game before the Clippers. Give me one second. <laughs> yeah, that uh, it wasn't against a good team, right? Come on, who was it against? Quick, quick, quick. We got to go. But uh, anyway, how much are you buying that he's going to be that good of a difference player? That's who it was. It was Portland the Trailblazers. Game after Christmas. Portland, yeah, Portland lost to Phoenix last night. Uh, was up by 19 points, and they lost the game at home. So Portland's not that good. And they've got some injury issues themselves, and they're well under 500, and they will go into 500 or into the new year under 500. So will San Antonio. You know, I'm down here in San Antonio, and obviously the Spurs are a big, big deal here in the way the Jazz are a big deal again for us in Utah. And the situation here is this will be the first time they go into the new year under 500 since 96-97. That is a long time ago for the Jazz, right? They've been – or the Jazz. I mean, the Spurs. Spurs have been playing great ball. Even last year, they were well above 500. Well, isn't that pre-date pop taking over down there? Uh, I don't know that for sure, I would assume. I but it's uh, around I the same time. Yeah, I know it's around the same time. Yeah, I got that. Uh, but I don't know specifically. I can't remember. I'd have to look that up when he took over. And obviously, they've been great for 20-plus years now. And so now I guess it's their turn. Although it's a little bit of a surprise because their team has been largely intact from what they had last year. And last year, they were above 500 and made the playoffs. Now, this year, I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs. I can't say that for sure. We still got uh, three months of the season to go. So, with that in mind, we'll have to figure that one out. But the Jazz, how much are you buying that they are legitimate, that this team is who they want to be with the addition of Jordan Clarkson? Is Clarkson your guy? Are you believing that he is really that good? I liked it when they got him. I did. I thought that he could provide some scoring punch, some veteran scoring punch as a 27-year-old dude 
who has been around a little bit, played with a couple teams, obviously with the Lakers. I liked him when he was with the Lakers. Didn't watch him much when he was playing with this team here, uh, Cleveland, but I liked him doing what he's doing now. So with that in mind, I'm excited for his future. And I do believe that he's going to be a difference maker, that he's going to prove that he's quality and that he can give the Jazz exactly what they need. Sometimes, you know, when you got a good team related to the Hornacect theory, you don't necessarily have to be a great individual player on your own, but when you're added to the nucleus and to the mix, you can be a difference maker. What do you think? All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Chris Camerani, get back to the bowl game between the, the uh, Texas Longhorns and the Utes. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.